You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast with your host, Jonathan Robinson-Lees. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast, where today we chat with Katie Manning. It has been over a decade since Katie first set foot at Penrith Stadium as a professional dancer. Performing for the Pantherettes in her debut year of 2010, the journey as a dancer and cheerleader has seen her showcase her craft on the global stage. With a deep passion for performance, Katie has embraced every opportunity that has come her way. And now in her role as lead choreographer and coach for the Panthers cheerleaders, Katie has come full circle and is able to share her knowledge with the next generation of dancers. Please enjoy the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Katie, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here today. I'm super excited. Katie, you are the choreographer and coach of the Pantherettes. And with the NRL season underway, it is really a full circle for you, having started as a professional dancer with Penrith back in 2010. What are you most excited about for the group for this season? I am just excited for the girls to get back out on the football field again. Um, Unfortunately, last year, things got a little bit stripped away from them uh, just due to COVID and the three and a half month lockdown. And the girls didn't get to go to the grand final, the semifinals, you know, anything like that, because it all got moved to Queensland. So I'm just so excited for the girls to get back out on that NRL field. I am excited for all the fans to reconnect and be at the stadium after a grand final win from the Penrith Panthers, which they absolutely well deserved. They did such a great job last year. Yeah, I mean, just excited for the adrenaline and excitement around game day and the club and the fans and the girls. I'm just excited for the whole experience to be back in action. It's going to be great. The girls and I have been working really, really hard in the preseason. We've been training every week. And yeah, I am just really excited for everything to kick back off again, as I'm sure a lot of footy fans are. And yeah, I'm really excited to showcase what the girls have been working on because I like to, I try to bring different and change and surprises I don't want to keep everything the same you know when you see the same thing or you do the same thing and it's routine 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 things can get boring and things can get really stale so I like to keep it interesting I like to change it up uh and yeah I'm excited to bring that um to the season so yeah bring it on you talk about keeping the routines fresh and, and keeping the group fresh as well. Where do you draw your inspiration as a choreographer? What do you want to channel, I guess, into your art? I think a big thing with especially game days is the girls are, they're professionals. They are professional dancers. They are very passionate about what they do. Uh, they take pride in what they do, but they are also genuine Penrith Panther supporters. Uh, So they love the club. They love the team. They love game days. So to combine the two, it's just like a perfect mix. Um, The passion of their, their dance and what they love to do. And then the passion of the football combining the two is just fantastic. And because of that, I try to choreograph routines and create routines and performance pieces that entertains the crowd. The crowd are there to watch the football. Yes. See the girls as well. 
Um, but the girls are that added bit of extra to game day. Um, so I like to entertain the crowd and target them as a like, you know, what song they might sit there in the grandstands and tap their feet to or clap their hands to and really get their adrenaline pumping. Like, you know, we're supposed to be boosting them up and get excited for the players to run out of that tunnel, the bell to go and that ball to be kicked. You know, it's kickoff, it's ready to go. So I like to try and, you know, really target on what I think the crowd would enjoy and bring everything into game day to intertwine into each other so that it, it all helps each other and, you know, everything like that. So really music is a massive um, inspiration for myself. As I said, I just want the crowd, I want the crowd to be able to enjoy it, but the girls also have to be able to dance to it and I need to be able to choreograph to it. You know, there's no point putting Andre Pacelli on and, you know, have some like gospel music or I don't know, choir music going. Like that might be really nice to listen to on a Sunday afternoon when you've got a cup of tea or coffee, but not at the football and not to dance to and get your heart pumping and, you know, everything like that. So music is definitely a big thing, but also too, I think because I am just honestly so passionate about dance. I've been dancing since I was three and it's just like, it's in my blood. It's just completely in my blood. So I think just inspiration of wanting to do well for myself and create something different and fresh and new every single time. I think even just, yeah, like myself is kind of an inspiration as well. Cause I just, I'm trying to challenge myself. I want to challenge myself and I want to prove to myself and then prove to others that, you know, I can make things interesting. I can make things different. I can make things entertaining. Um, I think dancing in so many different clubs and areas and countries um, in my life, I draw inspiration from all of that as well. I've had so many different experiences that I like to bring them together. Yeah. As the leader of the group and the creative director, what are you trying to impart onto the dancers? What, what advice do you give to them to make sure that they're performing to the best of their ability? That's a really great question. And I talk about this often at training. Um, I tell the girls that they chose to be here. So, you know, like if, don't get me wrong, they really don't slacken off much at all. But if they're like, you know, not dancing full out at training or something like that, I, you know, put it back on them and I'm like, girls, you chose to be here. Yes, you were selected by the judging panel, but you took yourself to auditions because you wanted to be a part of this. You need to put in the effort because you chose to be here. No one forced you to be here. No one, you know, made you do this. It's your choice. So you need to put in the effort to make yourself proud. So, um, yes, definitely, you know, making sure that they are doing what they love and what they chose to do. Uh, but I also remind them that young girls or even older females as well are looking at them as an inspiration. I know myself, I was a young girl who used to go to the football, watch the girls. And I said to dad, I'd tap him on the shoulder. I'm like, dad, I'm going to be one of the girls, one, one of those girls one day. And I remind them that they are, they are an inspiration to so many young girls, so many young women who look up to them and want to do what they are doing. So I always remind them to be proud of themselves and to take pride in what they're doing. Um, especially as well, like, you know, this year we had 66 girls show up to the auditions and there are a lot of girls who didn't obviously didn't make it we only had 25 positions to offer there are a lot of girls who didn't make it and there are a lot of girls who will come back next year trying again 
So they are looking at those girls as inspiration as well because they they auditioned. They unfortunately didn't make it for whatever reason. And looking at those girls going, I'm going to be them. I'm coming back next year. I'm going to be better than what I was. So even those girls are, you know, <clears throat> the Pantherettes are inspiring girls who didn't get to make the team as well. So, yeah, I just like to remind them to be proud of what they're doing. Take pride in what they're doing. Enjoy it too, though. Like, don't do this if you don't enjoy it. Like, you're making a really silly decision. Like, you should love to dance. You should love the football. And making them combine, you should not be able to wipe that smile off your face. Like, yeah, sure, it's nerve-wracking. Like, you know, you don't want to stuff up your routine. You don't want to slip over. Like, no one wants to see a cheerleader fall over. Like, you know, all things like that. There's definitely so many emotions that go through you on game day, but you shouldn't be able to wipe that smile off your face because you are so happy with where you are and you're so proud of yourself. And yeah, just take in every moment and enjoy it because I don't know, this is probably getting a little bit deeper meaningful, but like you're not promised tomorrow. Like, so you, you know, you've just got to enjoy and take on everything that you have with, you know, the biggest heart and the, an open mind and, you know, everything like that. So yeah, I think that's what I try to instill on them. And Katie, how has your mindset shifted from when you first started in 2010 with the Panthers to where you are now shifting from a dancer to a coach? How has your mindset changed? Uh, it's very different, actually. Uh, back in 2010, it was my first uh, time auditioning for like pretty much anything professional outside of like a studio dance world. And I was really determined, like I had turned 18, um, the year before. So I was like the rightful age, ready to go. And I was just stoked to be there. Like I was just, you know, the fact that I could cheerlead for my team and dance for my team and be on, I think one of the biggest things for me in the first year, I, <laughs> when I realized, sounds silly, but like, I realized I was sitting on the field. I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, I'm on the field. Like, cause I had been to so many games in the grandstand before, but sitting on the field, it's only just over a gate, but it's such a different feeling. Like it's, it's really different. So, you know, being a dancer, I just, I listened to what I was told to do. I was passionate about my dance. I tried my hardest. I was passionate about the football and of, of course still am, but I just dug deep, did what I had to do, did what I was passionate about doing, did what I love to do um, and just enjoyed, you know, all of the moments and being a choreographer, um, I definitely put more pressure on myself than I probably need to, but I expect big things of myself. Like I want to make it fresh and interesting every single game. No one told me I have to do that, but you know, that's what I choose to do and just trying to be creative and different. I like having like the, I don't want to sound like I'm really bossy or like, but I like having, I guess the authority, you know, like make sure it's this way, make sure it's that way. But at the same time, speaking from experience I think it's more the fact that I want to put my experience on those girls like I'm not just some amateur random person off the street that's come in and been chosen to be the choreographer I've you know done 10 years in the NRL I've done two years in the NBL I've done a season in the NBA I have so much background to what I've done and I'm trying to bring all of that as help and inspiration to the girls and you know, what's stopping them from going overseas and auditioning for the NFL or the NBA or the IFL, no matter where they want to be and what they want to do. Um, so I, I like, I don't know, I hope I get like, 
One of my goals in life is to inspire people. I really hope that I can inspire people to push themselves or step outside of their comfort zone or challenge themselves or just achieve something they that they didn't think was achievable or even just give it a go because I know I've done that and the feeling of achieving that even if you go through hardship and hard work and setbacks and everything like that when you do achieve it it's just such a remarkable feeling that you can't replace with anything you can't compare it with anything and I just really try to give that to the girls um I want it I want things and game days and training even just to be a positive experience I do something at the end of every training session I sit the girls down and we have a weekly chat I have a topic and every single girl answers the topic and it helps us get to know each other better it's like a team bonding thing um but it connects us and it inspires each other you know like one of the questions I had last year at the end of our training session, I said, girls, what inspires you most? You know, and some people said their family. Some people said, like, just getting up every day. Like, I'm just inspired by getting up every day because some people don't have that luxury. Um, and, yeah, there were so many different answers. And, um, yeah, I just think I, I try to bring all my different experiences and parts of my life into them and hope that they can, you know, draw something from that. So yeah, I like, I like kind of, I don't want to say being in charge, but I like helping them and guiding them and directing them. And yeah. Yeah. And Katie, you spoke about the, the pressure that you put on yourself as the choreographer is probably more so than when you were a dancer on game day. How do you go about letting go of that pressure when the group's out there dancing how do you let them go and do their thing? Because at that point, your job to a degree is finished. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, the field rehearsal is definitely, uh, it's when I really kind of, if the girls, we've, I've done everything I can for them. I've done everything I can during training. There is an aspect of them that needs to go home. They need to rehearse. They need to go over it. They need to practice. I don't let them leave training unless they know it, of course. But by game day, if we are on that field rehearsal prior to kickoff and they still don't know what they're doing, I am going to come down hard because it's game day. You don't have time to fix things. You don't have time to learn things. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to look like a fool. And people will notice that you are doing the wrong thing and they are going to think you're a fool. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for them at all. But at the same time, you're right. Once they're out on that field, I am the control is gone. But I feel like I do have a very good balance of that. I, aside from being the Pantherettes coach, I'm a full-time dance teacher and I teach all different styles of dance and I am a competition coach. So there's a lot of children that do and a lot of teachers that do dance for recreational purposes. And I do teach recreational classes, but I also teach competitive dance and cheer. So from that, I learned a very, very long time ago that no matter how many times you practice it, no matter how many times you rehearse it, what happens on that competition floor is what happens. I think a hard thing for dance and a few other art forms and sports is with ours, we do rehearse it the exact way it's supposed to be. We have formations, we have positions, we have counts, we have timing, we have groups, things like that. You rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and practice it the exact way it's supposed to be. So when it doesn't go to plan at that performance time or that competition time, 
it is disheartening. It is disappointing because it was rehearsed the right way. Different to the football, for example, they train the passes, the drills, the drives, everything like that, the game plan, what's what's supposed to happen. However, in that instant, everything happens differently. You can't rehearse a football game the exact way it's supposed to be. Yes, you can rehearse plays and things like that and all all of those things. But what if what if some what if one of the football players catches the ball, rolls their ankle on a hole or a ditch in the field of play and you know their ankle breaks in that instant they didn't rehearse that like <laughs> that's not part of the game plan um and therefore that play is out for the rest of the game and yeah like i think so i think it's definitely um challenging when things don't go the right way however i feel like i am very good at stepping back and going okay balls in their court now i've done all i can it's now up to them and you know my kids have forgotten routines on comp days my kids, um, when they do cheer stunts, the stunts have fallen for whatever reason. And the kids always come off like disappointed and upset. And I'm like, guys, it's fun. Like, fun. We'll pick it back up next time. Like, it's okay. We'll just, we'll be better from this and we'll come back from this. And same with the girls, um, like on the football field, if they make a mistake, we're humans. No one's perfect. You know, sometimes you get, I've, I've made a mistake on the football field. I've made a mistake on the football field. I came off my performance, bawling my eyes out, mad, angry. I was so annoyed. And my coach was like, it's fine. I'm like, what do you mean it's fine? <laughs> like, I was annoyed that she was like so calm about it. And she's like, Katie, we're all human. It's, it's fine. Like, did you do it on purpose? And I'm like, no. And she's like, okay, well, just, you know, you'll be better next time. She's like, but it's all right. And I just think that's definitely the mentality you have to have because no one is perfect. And to be honest with you, like, yeah, I am going to notice if your arms are up and everyone else's is down. And a lot of people in the crowd probably will as well. They're going to notice that. But at the same time, when the cameraman's on you or when you're at a football game, if you're too far away from the center of the field, you're going to be watching the big screen anyway. You don't see the formations I create. You don't see the cannon work. You don't see the group work. You don't see the position changes. You see that one girl on that big screen so yeah i think look if they make a mistake yeah of course it's like but oh, damn like that's a bummer but at the same time like get over it it's fine you know like it's it's all good as long as you had fun doing what you're doing and you enjoyed yourself and you know you take it upon yourself to go okay i'm not going to do that next time as opposed to the attitude of oh well like you know that's definitely not the attitude to have even like, I think there was a game last year. I think it was our second or third game of the season. The girls said they didn't pick up the start of the song and the very, very opening of the routine. It didn't quite match what we had done. But at the same time, I knew that they couldn't hear the start and they picked it up well and they kept going. And I think everyone at the crowd wouldn't have even remembered those first four counts. Like, so it's, yeah, I think, I definitely think I have a good balance of wanting it to be perfect and being OCD about it, but then having the realization and acceptance of you can't do anything now. As with many creative pursuits, Katie, success can be hard to define. And a lot of the time it's actually an internal measure. It's not up to someone else to determine how well we've done. How do you define success as a choreographer? I think probably watching my choreography come to life on bodies and liking it 
essentially. Because when I choreograph, I'll, you know, stand in front of a mirror and try and like work out my workout. But sometimes I even just sit there at my desk and I think of things to my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, that'll work. You know, I write it down. I write everything down and it makes sense in my book. So, you know, my choreography book, it all makes sense. Group one, group two, left, right, whatever, up, down, da, da, da. Makes sense. But then when I put it on bodies and it makes even more sense or it makes the same sense, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Like, yeah, I think just seeing it come to life on bodies is when I sort of go, yep, you've done, like, you've done a good job. I think that's probably my sort of way of like my success as a choreographer. And if I don't like something, I'll change it. Um, you know, like if I've told the girls to do a ripple effect cannon going one way and then I'm like, uh, can you try it the other way? And then I like it better the other way, then I'll change it. So yeah, I think it's just seeing it come to life as opposed to just like written down on my book. Cause I feel like it makes sense in my book, but there's been heaps of times when I put it to bodies. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like you created it, but they're doing, it. I'm like, oh, it's real bad. Stop. <laughs> Do you think there's something extra special Katie with dance and any performing arts that it's actually that's a once in a moment kind of experience if you look at artwork or music it can be replayed or reviewed time and time again do you think there's something extra special about your craft that it's there for a moment and then that's it it doesn't get recreated exactly the same each time I think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I look back at all my routines that I've done over the years, whether it be on my students or just the last 12 months with the Pantherettes. And, you know, sometimes I look back and go, Oh God, that was a really good routine. Like that looked so good. And then I look back at others and I'm like, what were you thinking? Like, <laughs> and you know, that's, you grow, you develop, you, you get better, you find new inspiration. Um, and then there's other times when I look at routines and I'm like, wow, how did I think of that? Like I even shock myself that it's like, that looked really good with the musicality of that song. And it's like, because I guess that idea wouldn't necessarily happen again in, in your mind. But yeah, I think that's definitely because, you know, you don't see a lot of repetitive choreography in a, you know, two and a half minute routine. And you see a whole series of different choreography. And yeah, you're right. Once it's done, you don't, you don't see that again, even that whole two and a half minute performance of that choreography, you don't see it again. Even my competition kids, you know, our first competition is usually in June. Um, it's our first comp of the season. What the kids, what I create and what the kids perform at our first comp of the season, take that all the way to November when we go to the national championships, those routines don't even look the same. Music usually hasn't changed, but like, you know, those kids, what they were capable of in June, they're capable of so much more in November. They've grown, they've developed. Your choreography's changed. You've looked at something and gone, oh, we'll start with that. Like a canon, for example, a canon, a canon in a routine is generally when the whole group does the same dance move, but they do it at a different count. So, or a different time. So you might do a canon that takes like two to three counts each group. But by the end of the year, it's only one count apart. So it happens like more explosively and it looks more effective. But back in June, they might not have been capable of, you know, being able to do that. And then I guess similar with the Pantherettes, I might choreograph something for the game. And then when we come back the following week to really perfect and clean it, I watch it back. I'm like, no, nope, I don't like it. We need to fix that up. So, yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's definitely very special and 
like an iconic moment of being able to see something, but then it doesn't happen again. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. Katie, it's been an incredible time, more than a decade now as a professional dancer and moving into choreography. You've spent time at the Penrith Panthers, Cronulla Sharks, St. George Illawarra Dragons, plus overseas. Who's been the greatest influence on your career to this point? Is there a coach, a mentor, a family member that's really guided you through this past kind of 10 or so years? Yes. uh, There's probably a few people I need to name. Number one, from a very young age, would definitely have to be my mum. Mum obviously like enrolled me in dance when I was three into ballet. Um, It was down at the back of a community hall in Springwood. Um, I still remember it. Like I still remember the exact hall. So mum from the very start. Dad's also, um, he's not a musician, but he's very passionate about his music. So dad with his, like, he would always, he always plays music and he's just very into his different music. Him mixed with mum taking me and, you know, supporting me through my dancing intuition throughout my younger years is huge because if they hadn't have enrolled me into dance, would I be dancing today? I don't know. Would I have found passion at 14? I don't know. Would I have found passion at 20? I don't know. I don't know my life without dance. I've had dance has just always been something in my life. And like even just, you know, mom driving me to every single competition when I was younger, when I, I grew up at St. Columbus, but they didn't offer dance for the HSC. And I wanted to do dance for the HSC. I wanted to study dance. So mum took me down to the auditions for Newtown Performing Arts. Um, I was successful. So I ended up going to Newtown Performing Arts year 11 and 12. And mum drove me to the train station every morning, caught the train all the way down to Newtown, had to get off at Central and then back it back up and come back to Newtown. You know, I did that for two years and I look back now and I'm like, whoa, how did you do that? You know, it was, it, I, I grew, I became independent and it was the best thing I could have done because I loved studying dance and ballet. They were two different subjects um, in my high school career. So mum's just been there, like, you know, supporting me through the whole way. My partner, Justin, is like incredible. Like anything I want to do, he's just like, yeah, let's do it. Like he's just the most supportive person ever. And I always wanted to find someone in life that understood my dancing because a lot of people just think it's a hobby. And to some people it is. To some people it is a hobby. To me, it's not. It's it's like everything in my life, 100%. I live, breathe, dance, everything about it. And he gets it. Like he gets that I, I teach from three o'clock to nine o'clock, five nights a week. You know, a lot of people would not be okay with their partner working while they're at home and not being able to see each other very often. When my kids have a dance comp, I am away in Sydney or in Queensland or Melbourne for three to four days at a time. Again, I don't like, I don't see him, but he's wishing me good luck. Every, like I get a text message every single morning or I get a call. Good luck. Good luck, babe. Hope your teams do well. Hope you have a successful day. I get a congratulations at the end of every day. And he's just so supportive through the whole thing. In all my years of performing in the NRL and the NBL, he was at every game day, every game. He goes for South. South don't even have cheerleaders. Like, do you know what I mean? Like he, he was at every single game supporting me and encouraging me. And then when I moved overseas, 
uh, when I told him I had come back from a convention, um, my coach, who was my next definite one that I would have to say has been like a massive support and encouragement to me. I went to a convention in 2017 that she took me to as an assistant. And I came back and I was like, I think I want to audition for the NBA. He's like, yeah, yeah, the NBA. And he's a massive, like massive sport head. Like he follows the NFL, the NBA, everything in America, baseball, everything. And he's like, NBA. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, let's do it. Like no questions asked. He came to the auditions with me. Like he flew overseas to the auditions with me. Um, and when I, you know, eventually got to move over there, cause I, there's a bit of a story of why I didn't get to go there the first time he flew, he didn't get to move with me. So we did long distance, but he flew over when I first moved over there and he stayed for, I think it was three weeks. He was there for three weeks while I settled myself, came back home, came to visit. And of course he was at every single NBA game that, you know, I performed at. And yeah, I just, I just can't fault his support of me and his encouragement. Um, yeah. And just constant backing realistically. Another person would be um, Jackie, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Lee Elliott. She owns and runs uh, JLD Entertainment. She was my coach uh, when I first moved to the Sharks in 2016. And she is just a force to be reckoned with. Her, her work ethic, her attack, her choreography, her ideas, her as an individual and just a human being, like she's honestly one of my best friends. She is just remarkable. Um, I danced her through 2016. She asked me to perform on the NRL live footy show and the grand final one, of course, as well, because that was the year Sharks made the grand final. She went to the choreography pros convention that year, 2016, and she came back to like the whole squad and like told us how amazing it was. And then the following year, my second year at Sharks in 2017, she asked me to go with her as her assistant. And I was like, what? Like out of all the dancers that she knows, she asked myself and we had the most incredible week in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, the convention we went to was the choreography pros convention. And it's a professional dance convention for uh, college dancers over there, IFL, NFL, NBA, all, all of those professional dancers. And it opened up my eyes so much, like so much. I was challenged beyond my belief, but I rose to like every single challenge. And um, while I was there, I met so many different choreographers in the NBA and NFL and so many dancers. And I had a lot of people say to me, are you auditioning this year? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like that just never crossed my mind, never crossed my mind. And to have people say that over there, I was like, oh, I, I was just proud of myself for holding my own and keeping up with everyone over there because talent and dance in Australia is huge. But in America, it's just a whole nother level. Like there are so many more people and so many more talents and so many more jobs. Like, but there's like too many dancers for the amount of jobs. Like there's so many more jobs there than here, but there's too many dancers for it. Um, and I just couldn't believe that I was being recognized. And I, we, Jackie and I had this conversation. We were sitting at the convention restaurant. We were having this conversation and like, she was telling me of people that had come up to her saying, you're Aussie dancer. Like, she's amazing. She's incredible. And I was sitting there going, oh, but this person came up to me and said, oh, are you auditioning this year? And like our conversation just kept rolling. We were like, 
I need to do this, don't I? Like it was right then and there that we were kind of like, I need to audition for the States. Like I need to, I need to do this. And while at the convention, I took this one particular class from a coach called Amy Jo Wagner. She's now Amy Jo Johnston, AJ. Um, and she's the choreographer of the Denver Nuggets um, in the NBA. And I took her class and she just reminded me so much of Jackie. And like, she was hardcore, man. Like we had a water break during our session. You got your sip of water, you were back on the floor. And I did that because that's how Jackie had like, you know, that's how Jackie runs. And I knew that water break is water break. It's not sit on your phone, check your Instagram. Like it's, it's not that time. Like you have a water break, pat your face because you're sweating bullets. And then, you know, you're back, back on the floor. There was myself and like seven other girls that came straight back to AJ. And she goes, it's interesting to see the people who have come straight back and those sitting on their phones because they were like all these girls that were just like checking their phones and everything like that or like checking their hair and whatever and I was like oh wow like but I had respect for that because that's what I knew um and I just loved her choreography I loved her energy I loved her you know powerful bubbliness and I was like oh okay so I then went and like just personally introduced myself to her and she said to me, she's like, oh, will you, will you be around next week? And I said, no, I, you know, I'll be flying back home to Australia. She's like, oh, that's such a shame. We have our auditions next week. And I was like, what are you trying to say? Like, and I was like, Jackie, what does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful to Jackie that I was given that experience and that I met all those people. And then Jackie and I kept training back here in Australia in the build up to, I knew that 12 months later, I was going to go and audition for the States. So I did my research on teams, locations, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept coming back to AJ. I was like, I just, I'd rather work with someone and be under the direction of someone that I a, like and get along with and can, you know, communicate with and everything like that. Like I, you know, even if she's yelling at me and telling me I'm doing something wrong or fixing something like I feel like I'd rather that because I know her persona and attitude, whereas some people, some people could just be rude. You know, like some people are just like, you're doing it wrong, fix it. And it's like, well, no, there's, there's a way to say it. Like, yes, there's a way to do it. But anyway, I did my research, told AJ I was coming to the auditions, came a week early to do all the Nuggets prep classes. And yeah, super long story short, but auditioned in 2018, um, made the team was applying and working with lawyers to get my visa. You need a O1, exceptional alien of ability of the arts visa. O1 is much easier to say, but you need that type of visa to be a performer overseas. And it's one of the hardest visas to get. I didn't realize at the time I was in the process of doing everything I needed to, but I basically made the team and my visa did not come through in time. So the Nuggets had said to me, look, you can come halfway through the season and you'll just miss the first season and do the second half. But my visa still didn't come. So even though I made the team, I didn't get to go. Um, and that was really, really hard. However, I kept working hard. I kept saving my money. I kept working with my lawyer. And I went and auditioned 12 months, 12 months later, same team. I was successful again. Uh, my visa came through. It just, when I got the approval for my visa, I then had to go to the consulate in Sydney to get my actual visa, like stamped to my passport. But my lawyer explained to me, she's like, Katie, even in that interview, they may not approve you. I'm like, what do you mean? You've already, you've said that my visa is approved. But basically in that interview, if the person interviewing you is having a bad day or 
there's something about you that they're like, no, we don't want to approve you. They can say no. They can say no. Um, like a gentleman, I don't know what, I don't know what type of a visa he was applying for, but I think it was maybe like a family sort of compassionate one. He got interviewed before me. Like the interviews aren't private. It, it kind of looks like a bank. Like you kind of like sit and wait your turn. Then you go up to the glass screen. And the guy, I don't know what questions he was asking him, but the, you know, the gentleman was answering it and blah, blah, blah. And the gentleman said, I'm sorry, but it won't be approved today. And the guy walked away and he was just like, are you sick? Like he was so deflated. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And my interview, the guy was like, oh, so you're going to dance in the States, are you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I gave him a quick little rundown. He's like, and where will you be living over there? And I was like, oh, so I'm, I'll be moving in with a roommate, um, like a teammate, sorry. And I was just, you know, answering honestly, but I literally felt like I was being like, not interrogated, but was just very like, it was daunting. It was really, really scary. And my visa did get approved, which was fantastic. Um, the girls had already been training though. So I basically missed um, two months of training um, and I had to learn all the routines online here. And that was before Zoom. That was before everyone knew how to use computers and learn how to dance. So that was a very challenging time. But yeah, my visa got approved. I got to go overseas and AJ, I'm just, I'm very thankful to her. So she's my fourth person who I find to be, you know, a support person for me and inspiring and encouraging and everything like that, because like, I know that she had a lot of not, I'm not going to say like pull or decision-making in me being able to go, but I know that she saw how much determination I had and believed in me and like helped to a degree to get me over there to fulfill my dreams. And while I was over there, she was so helpful. Like I was supposed to move in with one of my teammates and that fell through. And I ended up having to find an apartment on my own over there. And I had nothing. Like I had no furniture, no nothing. AJ lent me furniture that she had in storage and I gave it straight back to her when I moved overseas. But she was just, yeah, just so supportive and helpful. And she's very inspirational. As I said, her and Jackie remind me so much of each other. They just, they expect big things. And I think that's fair enough. Like you're in a professional industry and it's okay to expect big things. Um, and they're just very like, you know, if you're doing something wrong, they'll pull you up for it. But that's only because you learned how to do it the right way in the first place. They're not pulling you up because they think you're crap or you're not doing a good job. They're pulling you up because you learned how to do it. You're not doing it properly. And their artwork needs to look good. I think that's something that people also like, forget and don't realize sometimes in our dance art form the person who created the routine and the piece of work is not out on that field performing it it's a whole different group of people so you know us as the Denver Nuggets dancers we are being recognized as the Denver Nuggets dancers like I'm not being recognized as Katie Manning I'm being recognized as the Denver Nuggets dancers and we are representing the Denver Nuggets as a whole, but we are also representing AJ's choreography. So if we don't look good, that makes her not look good. There's a whole domino effect. It's not just, oh, the girls looked crap, like, or the girls looked great. It, it, whether it's a positive or a negative, it all ricochets off each other. Um, and yeah, I just think the two of them, they expect big things. They are brutal. They are cutthroat, but I love that. I would so much rather someone pull me up for something or tell me the right way or the wrong way or something like that 
than just like tiptoe around things. And I think, I do think I in turn now where I am with the pantherettes, like I definitely do that as well. Like if one of my girls is doing the wrong arm, I'm going to pull her up for it. Like I didn't teach you the right arm. I taught you the left arm, do the right arm. Like it's just as simple as that. Yes. Again, everyone makes mistakes, but you know, by pulling you up when you do make a mistake, you probably won't make that mistake again. Some people make mistakes more than once, but in general, most people learn from their mistakes, like all their accidents or whatever. But yeah, they are, they would be all my people who, and they all play such a major part. Like AJ was 100% my go-to when I was over the, overseas on my own. Jackie helped me the whole way in my process of getting my visa, auditioning overseas. You know, even like the audition day, she was calling me every five seconds. I'm like, I can't answer my phone, Jackie. Like, but she was just, she was excited. She was, you know, proud of me and everything like that. And you know, Justin's just there by my side through everything. Like, and as I said, just the fact that he gets my passion and my love of dance is more than I can ask for. And mom and dad are just, yeah. Like even dad has said to me, he's like, I didn't realize you could make a career out of dance. You know, like he just, and like the fact that he's honest about it, I'm like, thanks dad. Like I appreciate it. And he's just so proud of everything that I have accomplished. And I think mom's always gotten it, but mom, yeah, she drove me everywhere like everywhere <laughs> so yeah they would be like my most um supportive and like network and encouraging people and yeah that have had everything to do with me what do you think Jackie saw in you Katie in 2017 to take to take a, a plunge with you and take you over to America was there something in particular a trait that you offered that you think she recognized I think um, we have actually spoken about this, her and I. She said, um, she said to me before, I'm the quiet achiever. Basically, I get in, I keep my head down, I do my work, I do what's expected, and then I, you know, move on and I walk away. And I think that's just exactly it. Like I'm, I was there, like at training, I'm there for a job, I'm there to get work done, and that's what I'm there to do. I'm not there, like. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I like ignored everyone around me, but it's not a social catch up. It's not, as I said, check my Instagram. It's not um, just a half-hearted thing. I don't do anything in my life, in my opinion, half-hearted. It's either all in or it's like just completely nothing. I'm like, no, nah, nope. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's just, you know, I always got in. I, I tried my hardest. I obviously hoped and tr tried to do what she expected. And yeah, she, she made a comment to me when we were overseas. She's like, you know, you're a quiet achiever, Katie. She's like, you're not there trying to suck up to me, you know, and trying to make yourself look, you know, better than everyone else. And she's like, you're talented. Like you're passionate about what you do, but you're so talented. And I think, I think that's just what it was. Um, yeah. Cause I had never mentioned auditioning for the States prior. Um, when Justin and I first got together, funnily enough, um, I had taken a year off professional cheerleading. It was like my in, in between of, um, Panthers and Sharks. And he said to me, he was like, oh, you're going to cheerlead next year. And I was like, oh, I think so. I was like, even though I go for Penrith though, I think I'm, I think I'm going to try a different club. And he was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, like I just, you know, like all the different clubs have, they're all different. Um, cause they're all different choreographers and coaches. They all have different, um, dance styles. I was like, I think, I think I want to try something different. And he said, he's like, oh, yeah, why not the Dallas Cowboys? And I was like, 
that's in Dallas, Texas. I was like, that's in America. Like what, what? He's like, dream big. Even from that, like I still, I kind of like laughed it off and I was like, I'm not good enough for America. I'm not good enough for the States. And um, I still didn't even like run with his little like suggestion. I, I was just kind of like, Oh no. And then, yeah, I, um, it wasn't until I went overseas that I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I think I can do this. But I think, yeah, Jackie just, I just, I work hard. Like I, yeah, I think I just focused on what I needed to do. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. Going to the Newtown Performing Arts High School and at 18, as you said, you started with the Panthers. Were there expectations, Katie, to pursue what people would dub a normal career? Were, were people saying, you know, yes, dancing's great and you're good at it, but, you know, you should settle down, so to speak. Were you facing any of those pressures? Um, I don't feel like it, no. I, I mean, Dad wanted me to go to uni. I had no interest in uni. Oh, that's a lie. I did. I actually really wanted to be a physiotherapist. That was like my goal and passion and dream to be a physiotherapist. I, I wanted to dance myself and be a performer. I had no interest in teaching. None. None at all. I was like, I don't want to teach kids how to dance. I want to dance. Like that was like, um, and then I found out the UAI for uni because back then it was called a UAI, not an ATAR that it's called now. Um, that's showing my age. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I saw what the marks were and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a smart girl. I'm not dumb, but like schooling just it wasn't, it wasn't my strongest point. I tried so hard in school and studied really hard and just never got the marks that I felt like I was studying for. Um, and I just thought, oh, this is too stressful. Like I don't want to be stressed. And I kind of just put that dream on hold. And I was like, I can go back to uni at a mature age student. I can go back to uni at any age. I don't have to do it straight out of school. And I was like, no, I'm going to do full-time. I'm going to go to full-time dance. Um, so I did that after I graduated in 2009, I went to full-time dance at Brent Street Studios in 2010, where I received my certificate five in performing arts. So the way I kind of like to explain it to people is it's almost like, it's like a TAFE course, but you dance. So you literally are dancing from nine till four every single day. And you learn all different, like you learn the like history of dance and like the theory of dance and you do all different styles. You do musical theater, you do singing and agents come and see you at the end of the year and they either pick you to be in your agency or not. But I made that decision and I was super, super happy with that. And then from there, I auditioned for the Panthers. I also auditioned for many different cruise ships and the Moulin Rouge and everything like that. And for many different reasons, which I don't need to explain, but many different reasons, I just never got the job. Um, whether it be a height issue, shoe size issue, size issue, um, because on cruise ships, they have set shows you don't fit the character or the um part of the show that they're looking for like you're not going to get picked so it's not necessarily based it is based on your talent but it's not wholeheartedly just around your talent so yeah I just went to every audition under the sun and I just knew I wanted to be a performer and then uh my best friend she took over um the ownership um and business of the studio that her and I grew up dancing in in the Blue Mountains and she was like, oh, do you want to just teach like a jazz class like once a week? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so I did. And then from there, I just, 
I don't know, it just added, 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 added. And it was 2012 that I really realized I was like, I love this. I really, really enjoy this. And then it just continued on from there. Um, but no, I certainly don't remember anyone sort of like telling me that like, oh, you've got nothing, like you've got no career. I certainly didn't think I was going to go as big and be as successful as I have been. I had dreams, but I guess in my, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, like I will go back to uni as a mature age student or, you know, I will find a job somewhere. Um, so yeah, I don't feel like anyone ever told me that it wasn't anything. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Stepping onto the court for the first time in the NBA with the Denver Nuggets, as you said, it took a couple of takes to, to get there eventually. Can you describe to us the feeling of being on the court, the, the crowd, the noise, the athletes, and the expectations that came with performing on arguably the biggest stage in world sport? I'm just going to start off with saying I cried. <laughs> Before I even got on the court, I was um, standing under the basket um, and I just remember looking around the stadium and like not crying, but like, you know, I had tears welling up and I had a couple of like driplets. But I just remember looking around going, this is not, you know, Homebush. <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, I was like, this, this is America. I was, and it was just a massive, massive realization hit. And then seeing the players on the court, I was like, you oh, did it. Like, I just felt so proud. I felt so proud and I was just so excited. I was nervous because I obviously wanted to do a good job, but I was just so proud and so excited. Um, again, obviously just putting a lot of pressure on myself to do the right thing. I knew that I had like rehearsed and put in extra hours and extra practice before the game. And I was like, you know what to do, Katie, like you've got this, you've got this, um, gave myself a little pep talk and, um, yeah, just tried to do my best, but it was, it was the most unbelievable feeling ever. I remember messaging Justin going, this is happening. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, babe, it's happening. Because <laughs> he was there for my very first game, which was um, incredible. But it was just that realisation, I think, because of all of those setbacks um, that I was like, this is real life. This is, I'm not dreaming. This is actually happening. And yeah, I think you're right. Like one of the biggest stages ever to be on an NBA court. It was just the most exhilarating feeling. Like I just, I'd go back there in a heartbeat. Like I would, I would love to do it all over again. It was the best experience I've ever had. And yeah, it was just, it was incredible. I almost feel like I'm lost for words because it was so, it was just so good. And I was just honestly so, as I said before, I was so proud and excited for where I was and what I had achieved and what I had overcome. So I was just pumped. And even every game day after that, I definitely had nervousness and wanted to make sure I was doing a good job, but I, I seriously just tried to take in every single moment. And I'm so glad I did because I ended up having to come home early because of COVID. And the day before we left, my mum had actually, mum, dad, and Justin had come over. Dad and Justin had surprised me. Mum came over. She was always coming over to see me for a month and dad and Justin jumped on the trip. I had no idea they were coming. Um, dad and Justin stayed for two weeks. Mum stayed for a month. So during the time that mum and I were there on our own is and COVID like really hit. Um, and the day before we left, we walked around the stadium and I was bawling my eyes out. Like I was just crying so much. And mum's like, are you okay? I'm like, 
I, I was crying because I didn't want it to be over. Like I wasn't, I hadn't accepted that it was over because I didn't decide it. Like it was something that was, it was a decision made for me, but I flew home with no regrets. I took in every single moment that I had over there. I took in every single game day, every single practice. I really feel like I lived my life to the fullest over there and I had no regrets. Like I remember every game day. I don't remember like being at game day going, "Mm, I don't want to do this or I'm tired or like, yeah, I just, I was really happy that I was going to leave there with absolutely no regrets and very proud of everything that I had achieved. So that was really awesome to, you know, have that feeling. And yeah, I think that's just the way I approached every single game day. And it was just, it was awesome. It was so unreal, so unreal. The NBA schedule, as we know, is quite hectic. You can be back-to-back games, you know, two days in a row, four games in a week, if not more. How did you stay fresh? Because the, the mental and physical tax on you can be quite a lot. What did you do to stay on top of everything? I will admit I had a lot more, I guess what you could say, spare time than a lot of the other girls. Um, because of my type of visa, I wasn't able to work anywhere else. I was only allowed to be a performer. So I did have a bit more downtime than some of the other girls who were working full-time or at college full-time and then had nuggets on top of that. But personally, um, I made sure that I got like eight to nine hours sleep every single night um, because sleep is just so, so, so important. Um, I get up in the morning and I go for a walk around my local area um, and just listen to music. Um, uh, after that, I'd go and do a little gym session for myself just to make sure that I was keeping fit and doing that extra like bit of training during the day. I'd either go and help AJ with some, um, stuff at the stadium if she needed to at the arena, like if we needed stuff for practice or I was involved with the D and D juniors. So if we needed to like package their uniforms or package their information kit, I'd do that. I'd go up for a walk of 16th street mall. I was like right, um, on the main strip of the, um, city of Denver. Uh, and I do that. Some days I'd go and do my groceries. I'd walk and go and do my groceries. Um, I'd catch up with coffee for some of the girls if I could some days as well. I would come back to my apartment, make sure that I did um, two hours of training myself, just extra practice, making sure I knew what I was doing. We trained three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then as you said, game days would be two to three times a week on top of that. So I'd rehearse myself. Uh, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'd then go to training. Training went for three and a half hours um, from 7 till 10.30. Um, and then always making sure I was fueling my body with the right foods as well. Um, because I was obviously cooking for myself, that was very easy to do. I knew what I was putting in. And funnily enough, at the age I was at 29, 28, 28 when I moved over there, it was the first time I learned how to cook. So <laughs> couldn't cook before that. Um, But I think because it was so fresh too, I really, really enjoyed it. Like some people don't like cooking and some people love cooking. I really enjoyed it. So it helped because I was like, you know, enjoying what I was doing and everything. Um, I also, I made sure I spoke to my mum and Justin every single day on FaceTime. We never missed a day. And um, all of my other like, you know, bestest friends and family members, I would talk to them throughout the week. Sometimes our conversations would go for two hours. Sometimes our conversations would go for four. So that was a massive like mental and emotional balance and stability wise for me, because if I didn't connect with all of those people who were still here, I think I would have struggled a lot more. 
Um, and I was very grateful and thankful that I had all those people in my life that were willing to talk to me for that long. <laughs> um, um, especially trying to work out time change as well, you know, because yeah, it's like a totally different time, time difference. I think from memory, when I was going to bed at night after training, so say like 11, 11.30 at night, because we'd get home late, it was like 4 or 5 a.m. here the next day. So like pretty like pretty off in terms of like time, time difference. Um, so yeah, I think definitely having all of those connections back with my family and friends that really, really helped for my mental and emotional side. And then all the other things that I just personally tried to do for myself. So that's, that's how I made sure that I was ready to go um, for game days, for training and made sure that I was at the best physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Did you find it was quite a come down, Katie, where, as you said, it's so exhilarating on game day, being on the court in the bright lights in front of 15,000 people. Was it a come down though, when you get back to your apartment and you're, you're there by yourself and how did you handle that? I was okay. Um, I'm, I'm an only child. So I, I grew up with just mum and dad, like it's just me, mum and dad. Um, so I never had like the rush of like a busy household and siblings and things like that. Um, so I feel like as daunting as it was living on my own, I actually really thrived. I learned a lot about myself and realized I was much, much stronger internally about myself than I thought I was. It even, it even reminded me like, you know, I saw would, you know, give myself talks. I'm like, Katie, you caught the train to school when you were 16 on your own for two years. And then after that, I caught the train all the way to full-time because um, that was at Fox Studios in Moore Park. So, you know, 16, 17, 18, even though like, you know, you're getting into the older stages of your teenage years and you're becoming a young adult, still to do that on your own is, is massive. You know, like there's a difference between catching the train with one friend compared to no friends. So I think I actually thrived more than I thought I would. Definitely, definitely missed Justin and my family and my friends and everything like that. Um, but at the same time, I think, cause you were like, it was such a big night and a big day and you were exhausted. It was actually nice to be able to come home, pop the kettle on and have a tea or coffee or a hot chocolate or something, have a shower, pop yourself in your pajamas, watch a bit of Netflix and then just head to bed. You know, um, I think, I think like I, I was okay with that. Don't get me wrong. There were some games where us and all the girls, we went out afterwards. So I enjoyed that too. Like I enjoyed having the social element of hanging out with the girls and seeing different parts of the city of Denver. Um, I think I had a pretty good balance of the two of them. Um, I also, uh, in my apartment that I was in, there was a concierge desk there. Um, and the gentleman who used to sit at the front desk, it, like whenever I came in from a game, he's like, how'd the game go, Katie? And I end up talking to him for like 20 minutes and just hang out with him. So I guess that was my kind of like my little hangout period after a game. And then, you know, by that point I was like, okay, I'm really tired now. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Katie, we've seen around the world a, a huge push for gender equity. And in some circles and some sport clubs have made the decision to no longer have cheerleaders and dancers as part of their clubs. How do you respond to people who have started to potentially view your profession negatively? I and mean, what do you have to say to those people who might criticise the, the role of cheerleaders at clubs? I mean, look, everyone has an opinion and everyone. Some people choose to voice their opinion. Some people choose to keep their opinion to themselves. 
But at the end of the day, we're all human and everyone has an opinion. I think if you don't have any understanding or knowledge of what a dance profession and a cheerleading profession and a performing profession is, I don't really think you can comment too much because you don't know what we go through and what is involved. I think there'd be a lot of people that go to the football that don't realize how many hours the girls actually train and the amount of efforts that they put into. I think a lot of people would just see them. They just rock up, they slap a bit of makeup on, they curl their hair, they put a uniform on and they just fluff around with pom-poms in their hands. And that's to someone who has no idea. Um, but someone who does, we know how much effort is, you know, put in. But I guess like, you know, I I don't know a lot about many industries in life. I, I don't know about computers, put it that way, like IT. I'm not super tech savvy. I know how to do very, very basic things on my phone, on my laptop. I'm not very tech savvy. Do I have an interest in it? No. But that doesn't give me the right to then criticize something or someone in their um, career, in their passion, in their expertise. I feel everyone has a strength in life and everyone's strength and everyone's passion is completely different to the next person's. And it doesn't mean that anyone's passion or expertise is any more important or less important than the person next to it. But kind of like that saying where you like, um, never judge someone unless you've walked in their shoes or never judge a book by its cover. I think it just kind of comes down to that. I mean, as I said, everyone has an opinion and some people probably don't see the importance of having cheerleaders at game day. I do. I think it's really important having cheerleaders at game day. I think they do create that extra bit of entertainment when the boys aren't on the field. There are many times when the girls are on the field and the boys aren't there. It gives the crowd something to follow and watch and enjoy and look at. They don't have to love it, but it still it still creates that extra bit of entertainment on game day. Um, I think the fact that, especially I know my girls, because they are so passionate about the football, I think that's really important to seeing women in league. Like there's there's a women in league round. It's about women in football, whether it be the marketing manager of a club, whether it be one of the personal trainers, whether it be one of the physiotherapists, whether it be the wife of one of the players, whether it be the daughter of one of the players, whether it be one of the cheerleaders. There are so many different women women in the NRL and in sports and cheerleaders, they're a big, but they're a small part of that. And I'm really passionate to keep seeing them at game day. I know what it's like to perform on the field. I know what it's like to cheer on my team without sitting you know, on the silver seats or in the grandstand, it's, you know, I, it's just a massive, like heartfelt feeling to be able to cheer on your team and dance and support your team and entertain the crowd. And as I said earlier, inspire young females and young girls to want to do the same thing. Um, but at the same time, I can appreciate and understand that people don't see the importance of it. I, I do, but someone else does so um it's it's just yeah personal personal individuality it's like you know someone might go and buy a Maserati and someone might buy a Toyota Corolla doesn't mean like anyone's better than the other person it's just personal taste and preference and yeah I don't know that, that that's just how I see it like yeah it's unfortunate that people don't want cheerleaders but I just think they probably don't know 
the background of what we do and how hard we work and what goes into it and our passion it's our passion and whatever you're passionate about i probably don't know the first thing about it i probably don't but teach me or tell me and explain it to me and i'll do the same for you katie you said to me before our chat that dance it allows you to express yourself having now been involved for almost 30 years from when you first started as a three-year-old in springwood what has dance taught you as a person? Uh, I think dance, the number one thing it has taught me is definitely commitment. Uh, especially in terms of like being involved in a, a team. Um, just attending your dance class is commitment in itself. Like, you know, it's a structured class that is organized at, you know, four o'clock every week, four o'clock every Tuesday, you've got ballet. It's commitment to show up every Tuesday at four o'clock to do that class. From five years old to 18, you're supposed to go to school. Do you always want to go to school? No. Like you've got a job. Do you always want to go to work? No. But something that you care about and that you're passionate about, I think it just shows you like commitment of wanting to be there and wanting to show up. Um, but then when you're a part of a team, whether it be a competitive team or a non-competitive team, committing to the other people in your team. So you're making a commitment to yourself to be there every week, but you are making a commitment to all these other people to show up for them and be there for them and support them. So I think commitment is a huge thing. And I think I've really carried that through my life. When I say yes to something, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm, I try really, really hard to stick with that. Yes. I understand that things come up, things pop up in life and that's normal. But if something was to pop up that I can't necessarily do at that same time because I've said yes to something else, I will try and move that second thing or rearrange it around that, whether it be before, whether it be after, whether it be a whole week later, whatever it may be. I think I definitely follow commitment through my, like, I think that's something I've really, really taken through because then if I commit to something and I have to turn around to someone and say, no, I feel really bad. I feel like I've let them down. And that's probably one of my worst fears in life to let people down. People probably don't look at it like I'm letting them down. But to me, I feel like I've let them down because we had agreed on something and we had committed to something. And then I've turned around and not changed my mind, but things, things have changed. Um, so I think commitment is a huge, huge thing that I've learned. I think another thing that I've taken is just like meeting so many people like you meet so many different people through so many walks and facets of life. And it's really special to meet and find people that are passionate about the same thing as you. Um, I love all my friends in my life, but my dance friends are a different type to my, my, I don't want to say normal friends, my other friends, because we do just share that extra bit of element. And we have that extra bit of understanding when you know, something hasn't worked out at training or something hasn't worked out in a performance and you kind of like, you know, vent to your other dance friend and you're like, oh, I know that's so annoying. Hey, whereas you talk to someone who has no idea and they're like, that really doesn't sound like a big deal. Like they're not judging you or anything, but they just can't see how it's affected you so much. Um, so I think like finding those friends and people in your walks of life that are passionate about the same thing as you is really special because you can just, it's just that extra thing that you can share with them. I think as well with a commitment, like uh, accountability kind of ties in with that as well, like commitment and accountability, you know, showing up on time 
if not early, like never be late, <laughs> don't be late. Um, and I think just like wanting to be proud of yourself as well in what you've, what you've done and what you've achieved, like to look back and see like where you started to where you've got to, I think just having that proud element and seeing the, de the development of like where you are, like, you know, mum has heaps of photos of me as a young girl dancing or doing the split somewhere or doing a leg mount somewhere. And, you know, you look at that age and then you take it like four to five years later and look at the development and the improvement of it. Um, so I think that as well, just like constantly improving yourself and being proud of yourself and what you can do. And then in turn, which is, I hope what I'm doing now to then inspire the younger generation and encourage and guide and help the younger generation to hopefully experience everything that you've been able to. Um, Cause that's the thing, like you're a young kid, you're a teenager, you're a young adult. And then all of a sudden you're an adult and it's like, well, that's what I used to do. Like to in turn, turn around and guide those young people. Like I know I had people I looked up to and people that I followed and to have that turn around and be that person up here now that other people want to look up to. I think that's, I just think that's pretty amazing. Um, there's not a lot of people that can turn around and say that, that they've done in their life and that's okay. There's obviously nothing wrong with that because not all facets of life have that, you know, 360 turnaround. But I really hope that my youngest ones, like my three-year-olds, all the way through to my young adults that are in the Pantherettes, like, you know, there's a girl who's only two years younger than me. She's, you know, two years younger than me and she's in the Pantherettes, but I still hope I can inspire her. I still hope that I'm, you know, guiding her and helping her and encouraging her. So, yeah. It's been an incredible journey to this point, Katie, with, with so many different experiences mixed in there. Do you take the time to stop and pause and reflect back on your story to this point? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, not always, but I, I do feel like I do. Uh, there's times that I might just be, you know, if Justin and I are sitting watching the basketball because we still watch it and, you know, follow the nuggets, of course, I might just be sitting there watching it and I'm like, I lived in America. <laughs> and I'll just have that moment of like, I did that. I was on that court or a memory will pop up on my Facebook of a photo or a video. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah, just that realization hit. And even um, like field rehearsal or game day with the Pantherettes and I'm standing in front of them, like counting or being like, yes, do this, do that. And I think I did this. Like I, I was there even sometimes in my normal classes and I'm teaching the girls and I'm like, this is where I started. Like, so yeah, I think I definitely have those moments of looking back and um, having those freeze frames, I guess you could say of like, yeah, everything that I have achieved and everything that has got me to this point in life. And I hope I can continue doing that. Like, I hope I don't sort of, um, like, I really don't think I'm going to be able to dance forever. I really hope that I can look after my body and look after myself to do it for as long as I can. But there certainly will come a time when, you know, I can't do it but I hope I can continue still for many, many years to look, to keep having those freeze frames and go, wow, look at what you did. Look at what you've done um, and be very, very proud of it. And Katie, do you believe in life that we find ourselves or we create ourselves as people? Do you think the path is laid out for us and we just live it or that every decision we make every day shapes where we end up? I think every decision we make 
um, shapes where we end up. I think there's probably somewhat of a guide that, you know, we is set out for us that we somewhat follow. Yeah, I, I think there's got to be with that because you know, think about how, you know, the way my parents brought me up is not the same way that my next door neighbors got brought up. So just, just that path in general and what your, you know, parents sort of instill in you in terms of what's good, what's bad, what football team to follow, like, you know, simple little things like that. I feel like there's definitely somewhat of a guide and path for you, but I definitely feel like every decision you make on a daily basis I think that creates where you go. Even for example, like, you know, I didn't get to go to the Denver Nuggets the first year. I could have turned around and said, oh, well, like, you know, I won't go back. I didn't. I chose to come back better. And 12 months later, I auditioned again. Yeah, like, and, and then when I made the team, I chose to move overseas and do that. I could have chosen not to go. So yeah, I definitely think, our choices in life um, on a daily basis is how we create our life and our future and everything like that. And it's hard. Like you can make a lot of decisions to like plan and organize. I'm a very organized person, very organized drives Justin up the wall. <laughs> um, and it's only because, but that's the best part of him. He, he chills, chills me out. Like he's like, Katie, you can't organize this. It just has to happen. I'm like, but what if we do this? No, you need to. So like I'm, I'm organized. So I like to plan things, but there are so many things in life that you just, you have to let happen. And that's also making the decision to let it happen as opposed to trying to make that decision to no, has to be this way. Cause then you just, you do, you wind up disappointed or you wind up frustrated um, because it didn't go to plan. And finally, Katie, what's the best way for people to get in touch and to follow your progress, especially through the NRL season? Um, well, I have um, a lot of uh, social media accounts. So um, just my general um, Facebook is Katie Manning. Uh, but I do have a choreography Instagram page. It's called Choreography by Katie. And I post a lot of my Pantherette stuff on there. And I post a lot of my um, students' achievements on there. And everything that, you know, I've been, I've been there, done that and what I will be up to. Um, and then I just have a normal um, Katie June page. Everyone needs to follow the Penrith Pantherettes uh, because we are very active on our social media with that. So, yeah, I think that would definitely be um, the best way to follow all things Katie Banning. Katie, thank you so much for sharing your incredible and very inspiring journey on the Passion and Perspective podcast. Wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. I had an absolutely awesome time with you. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast. The Passion and Perspective podcast is made in loving memory of Katie Margaret Lees, who truly lived with passion and perspective.